This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to another edition of Big Chris Live. However, we are on recording right now, but this will be published shortly after my chat with Kim Mitchell, who you can see behind me, although he doesn't really need an introduction. Yes, he is a very well-known figure in the Canadian music scene. First, though, I'm excited to announce we do have a donor and a sponsor to the podcast. And the donor and sponsor had a bit of a creepy request TheBakery.ca asked for my wife to do a quick voiceover for them. Here it is. This episode of Big Chris Live brought to you by Baker.ca. Baker.ca, come on in. Baker.ca, come on in. I don't know what your intention there was, Baker. I hope that you're not going to be listening back to my wife's voice at a later time. That's all I can say. Uh, My friend Baker all jokes aside, has stepped up and offered to be the very first donor and sponsor of Big Chris Live. Friend of mine for some time. I still have no idea what he does for a living, but he plays drums. We've jammed on the bagpipes and drums together. Uh, He has an online radio show, The Bakery, which involves his entire family who all live under the Baker moniker. Baker Boy, Baby Jazz, Mrs. Bake, Bagel and Cheese. He's put together some comedy bits, um, and he has a background in education and in producing. And I don't know. I'm going to have to have him on an upcoming episode. I said, hey, man, you don't need to plug your website by paying me. I said, you could come and be a guest, and I'm going to get him to be a guest in the future. But thank you for your sponsorship, Baker. And he was very excited. He wanted me to pass on. Hi, Kim Mitchell, rock god, and Mr. Canadian Summer, he called you. (laughs) And I um, have introduced you a couple of times on stage during some of those awesome, memorable summer concerts uh, that I can look back on. Um, And the biggest crowd response I ever got to introducing you, Kim, was when I screamed out, Kim friggin' Mitchell! Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you had friggin' in there. It makes it it better, man. Um, but thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for being with me. We had a few technical boobahs ahead of time. Very patient and, uh, as always, uh, very gracious. So thanks for being with us, man. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. I love your home studio as well. Is that Zappa up there I see? Yeah, yeah. It's Frank Zappa. And it says, uh, it says something. Just a minute. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's something about making making music uh you you do it you find it from nowhere you, it doesn't cost you anything but you sell it for something i don't right uh, i love it i, love I can't the- i can't really see it because it's dark and then <laughs> over on this side is uh i was in a band called max webster of course 
the keyboard player Terry Watkinson was the keyboard player, and he did a lot of our record covers. He did the first Blockheads album, and this was a series he did called Bar Babies. Awesome. And uh, it's just a bunch of drunken babies at, at, a, at a bar. So Nice. <laughs> uh, I, I really liked it, and I was, the time I was in a relationship, and and my girlfriend bought it for me. So Awesome. Kim, uh, obviously you've got a new record out. That's what's uh, brought us here. I'll just put the album artwork up on the screen here. The Big Fantasize. And uh, I think, um, you know, this pandemic, this hell of a year of 2020 that we've had um, has actually, I think, activated a lot of creative people. Now, I know that this record isn't uh, a fully brand new record that you've written during the pandemic, but I'm sure it gave you the time to compile it and get it ready for release. Well, uh, yeah, actually, uh, the album was completely finished before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. We had, we had uh, fin- finished the record, Greg Wells and myself and a bunch of other musicians, and then we did three weeks of gigs, actually. I, I was Right before COVID hit, I was on the road, did some theaters, and didn't make the last gig. So I got basically all of them in, except for the last one, which was Kingston which hopefully one day we'll make up. But this was all done over the course. These songs were written over the course of 13 years, 10, you know, 10 to 13 years. So some of it's more recent and some of it's just older stuff. And some of it was uh, incomplete songs. The mm-hmm. song Wishes, mm-hmm. the first single we had out was a incomplete song till about, uh, you know, a uh, few months before the, we finished the record. So. Right. Um, just kind of a little journey along the way. I wasn't really planning on doing a record, Chris. Uh, yeah. Until Greg Wells visited my my house here. He he's from Los. Well, he's actually from Peterborough, but uh, he lives in Los Angeles now, and makes records with all kinds of famous people. He's big stuff down there, man. <laughs> big stuff. So he dropped in on his way back to Los Angeles, and I gave him the USB key of shame, <laughs> and said. Uh, Here's some demos, man. And that's kind of it. And he got back to me and said, wow, I just love what you're doing here. This is a side I think your audience really needs to hear. Please come to Los Angeles and let's record. So who who would be so kind of crazy to do an album this this day and age? I, I, well, you know, when my friends would say that, it's like, you're, you're spending money on a record? I'm like, <laughs> it's like... Yeah, well, you spend thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on golf and golf memberships. Yeah, everybody has their thing. This is my golf game. So, you know, back off, dude. (laughs) Well, you know, and that's and that's the sad thing sometimes. And 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 I'm sure you're familiar. I think this is somewhat what you're referencing to is, you know, I was at a Black Sabbath concert, I think, in 2013, and they had just released a new album. And and there was, you know, Ozzy gets on stage. All right, we'll do some new music for you. And like a quarter of the crowd's like, ah, we're going out for a smoke. And I was like, you know what? That's a shame because those new songs rocked. That album they made with Rick Rubin was awesome. And I don't think a lot of, yeah, some of these, these, these established artists like yourself or anyone um, of that caliber, uh, you know, they still have music, great music to put out there. Um, So I'm I'm glad you have. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a, a explanation for that. And, and, I think we're all guilty of that. I am as well. I'll go see a band and I, I light up when I hear the stuff. See, this is this is the thing is when they're playing stuff that the audience knows, the audience is connecting that to their life that they've lived in the mm-hmm, past. So mm-hmm. those songs mean something to them, whereas the new stuff 
isn't there's there isn't any emotional connection yet. Yeah, there'll be a few that'll stick around and go, yeah, that's all right. I'm I'm really been in my career. I've been very careful about playing new songs and uh, and how much. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'll tops do two tops. Like I'll probably just do one. And you know, there might be a special gig where. I'll do something more intimate and say, I'm going to do four or five tunes or I'm going to do a side yeah. of, of something. But that's, that's what it's about. It's about the connection that the audience has with the music. So yeah. I've seen it in, in writing a set list as a scientific experiment. It's like, where are we? Who are these people? Did they know Max Webster? Did they not know Max Webster? Mm-hmm. What albums do they know? So you kind of gear a set list towards it, that because I'm about customer service and rock and roll. Right. You mentioned uh, Black Sabbath too. Uh, sure, I remember uh, they recorded in Toronto one year, and they were we're just Max Webster. We're we're doing a, a, some overdubs in the small studio, and I think it was Tony Iommi came over and said, "Hey, you guys want to come over and hear a track we just cut?" Nice. We're like, "Huh? What?" <laughs> <laughs> and there we were listening to a track that they just finished. I can't remember the song, but, but literally ten minutes before, you know, we're yeah. like the first. Bunch listening to the playback cranked. It was like so loud. I remember going, "Holy smokes!" They listen this loud all the time. Well, and bef- and before too, like that's that's a sim- uh, uh, not a symptom, but that's a an example of before, not even before COVID. I think before a lot of new school recording techniques where you'd have bands in the same studio or bands in the same building all hanging out together and popping into each other's studios and collaborations that just came out of nowhere in a lot of cases. Good Think point. about so Good many point. songs, you know, that, that come, came about as a result of that. Yeah, well, let's be clear. They didn't They didn't ask me to play, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a pretty good guitar player in the band already. Yeah, for sure. Although I wouldn't mind seeing a Kim Mitchell Black Sabbath collab. I mean, that would have been fun. That would have been fun. And then we played with them at Hammersmith Odeon. We played with them at Leeds. Yeah. uh, Over over across the pond. And that was one of the scariest gigs we ever did. I remember playing with Black Sabbath and they're like, you're standing backstage. The doors are about to open in this hall that looks kind of like an underground parking lot. It was in Leeds. And and all of a sudden the doors open and there's just a rush of people running to the stage because general admission right. and being a frostbitten Canadian, I'd never seen an audience so scary in my life. <laughs> and tattoos and leather and hair. And, like, and they're just like, ah! I go back in the yeah. dressing room and I almost start to cry. I'm like, dude, we're going to get eaten alive out there. <laughs> they don't want to know about a Max Webster at all. But we ended up going over great, actually. Oh, that's good. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're mentioning Max Webster. And, and you know, uh, you, you recently, previous to this album, if I'm not mistaken, you had a Max Webster re-release. A uh, box set, a yeah. A box set, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you also were talking about how there's been you know, people have those connections to those songs, those life experience that they have. I mean, between those, between Max Webster and then, of course, Kim Mitchell um, as, a, as a solo act, um, you know, you've, you've covered a lot of ground and a lot of memories for a lot of different people, multiple generations. That must be feel great. I mean, that's amazing. It does feel great. And it's, hum- it's always humbling to have a person come up and tell me a little story about that. Yeah. Um, a drummer pointed out to me once, he goes, do you know that everybody who comes up to you and says hello, they have a story about Max Webster and Kim Mitchell? Wow. I'm like, I said, that's, that means so much to me. It means more than, you know, any gold or platinum album hanging on the wall or, 
or Juno, or not to say that those things don't mean anything to me, mm-hmm. or even the Canadian Songwriting Hall of Fame, but it's when just someone takes the time to come up and go, hey, man, you know, when you played blah, blah, blah back at this year, my friends and I, we were at a cottage and we were, da, 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 you know, and, and they were, a couple of them were Americans and they went home and they bought your records and just little stories like that just are, are so beautiful to hear. And that yeah. has made it all kind of beautiful, you know? For yeah. Me. And in the uh, spirit of nostalgia too, I'll just put up on the screen here, a Kimbo logo. That is a record, um, which, uh, well, first of all, you still, I think, I think you're wearing the same shades as you have on that album cover right here. Maybe. Maybe. No, no, those shades were long gone. These, <laughs> these are prescription now. <laughs> well, some things change and some things stay with, the same. Uh, yeah, I can't see the cover. There were two v- different versions. So it's the one with the guitar and leather jacket. And... It's just you with the hat. You're holding the hat up like a... Okay, is there a cigarette? I don't see a cigarette. Okay. I don't know. I'm oh. sorry, man. I, I need to work on my technology here so you can see that. That's my next step. I, I need, a, need another no. cable. No. Um, but uh, uh, anyways, back to that album. I don't think there is a Canadian that doesn't have that on vinyl, even if it's in a milk crate in their basement, you know, there's, there's that. And then hot shots by trooper. And there's a few other like must haves, you know, maybe the tragically hips first record that I think everybody must have somewhere in their house. That's amazing to think about that. Uh, Yeah. You know, that's a, I mean, yeah, I've been a lucky guy. I got to rock out on my guitar and write some songs and, and people came. Yeah. And, uh, so it's amazing. I was just cleaning out some, <laughs> we were talking about nostalgic stuff. I was cleaning out some boxes just just this morning. And I opened up and I'm like, what's this? What are these bo- unopened boxes? What are they? Open up and they were Max Webster cassettes. Wow. They're coming <laughs> back. Hang on to those. The cassettes are coming back, are I they? heard. Yeah, I heard. No, no, heard. there's, there's no way, man. There's no way, Chris. As a matter of fact, I took, I pulled out one of each. I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna keep one of each. Yeah. And then I threw them in the garbage, and the garbage oh. truck just came about an hour ago and took them all. So. Oh, that's, that's a shame because, yeah. I, well, you know, sometimes you read about something that's a trend, and you ask yourself, is it, a, is that really a trend? You know, I think maybe cassettes are one well, of those things. You, you know, it's funny, it's because, because I put them out on the table, then I looked over at my new album, The Big Fantasize, yeah. which was a double vinyl record too. And I'm like, wait a second. That's even a further step back, like the yeah, vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're thinking like, oh, these cassettes are old. But then you look at a brand new record, which is on vinyl. It's like, yeah. well, your head just kind of goes for a second. <laughs> and, you know, as I've said already, you know, I, I love launching praise on you, Kim, because, uh, you know, in the, I'd say, maybe even a dozen times over my career as a broadcaster, you know, either you've, you've been on it for an interview or you've been, um, you know, on stage and I've had to do the stage intro and you've always been so gracious to all the people backstage and, and, and to your fans, especially. Um, but sometimes, and there was one time, I believe it was in, Oh, two. And, and this isn't on you. You kept your cool, which I was so impressed about. But there was a guy in the front row for the entire stretch of your show who had his shirt off on a hockey stick, a white T-shirt, and he was just waving it going, yeah, and he was just wasted. Um, and I was just looking at this guy. I'm like, I can't believe Kim is cool as a cucumber up there. How often have you been actually derailed, if ever? Hey, man, that was one of my friends. <laughs> you brought him he was a plant of course of course you're my people man <laughs> um have i been derailed 
That's a good question. I've never been asked that question. Um, wow. I've been derailed, uh, not from an audience member, but things that are going on side stage. I see. Yeah. Um, when we open up for Van Halen and looking over at the side of the stage and there was Eddie and Sammy Hagar standing there watching us play mm -hmm. that derailed me. Wow. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Same thing with, uh, Phil Collins and Chester Thompson. I looked over and they're watching us play. And, and, uh, so I've been derailed with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. sort of backstage goings on, you know, a I little see. bit of that stuff, uh, has derailed me. But uh, audience members, it usually, um, there I've seen, we've seen, I've seen many, many fights at our shows at the front because people are kind of pushing and stuff, and and uh, it, believe it or not, man, it happens more in Canada. Hmm. Uh, it does, yeah, because we, we play in the states, and people are like, ah, bang, bang, oh man, it's cool, it's all right, you know, smash, man, and here it's like bang, bang, it's like whoa, you know, next thing there's a fight breaking out. Um, I don't know what that says about us as Canadians, but it's just, and it's just an observation and right. it's just the way it panned out. Um, but that, that stuff sort of, uh, that stuff doesn't bother me except when the innocent bystanders, like I see yeah. some girl who's, you know, up at the thing, she's been there and it, people enjoying the show. And then this, this sort of stuff breaks out so it's a, it's a little i try just not to look because usually securities are pretty quick yeah i, I was gonna say like uh, that's the other thing too is anytime i've ever seen any kind of shenanigans uh you know it's always been taken care of pretty quickly and, and, and oh and, and to the to the last part of that yeah, there yeah. have been people jump up on stage and my policy with that's always been if it's if it's somebody just coming up or a couple people coming up and they're just kind of dancing around a little bit just to be everybody be cool just let it kind of happen you don't right. need to rush out and knock them you know the daylights out of them and run them off stage if it i have people that are, are really good at reading that my road manager is just amazing at that so is my guitar tech and they look and they can tell if i'm getting uptight and if everything's i don't mind people coming up and doing that you know i'm not inviting them to do that but right, if it yeah. happens it's like it just happens but if it looks a little bit like the guy's just kind of wasted or something, it's like, just come out and, you know, very gently walk him off. Usher, you know? usher him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You hear stories like guys like Ted Nugent are like, take a microphone and oh, yeah. bait, like, kick it and knock the guy's teeth out. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a thousand. Courtney Love, too. I think she threw a mic stand into the audience and hit a journalist she didn't like one time. Yeah, there's, there's plenty, oh, of, yeah. plenty of incidents like that, and, and you're not one of those people. But uh, Well, some journalists aren't my fave, but <laughs> along, the, along the way. Um, but generally they've been they've been really good right i remember other people's reviews i remember with rush opening up with rush and somebody out west i think it was in maybe victoria and the the first line was getty lee sounds like a cat being chased out the door with a blowtorch up its ass <laughs> and, I, and i just thought man that says so much more about you than it does about yeah. the arts yeah Let's yeah. check in with you in 20 years and find out see what's going where on. both of you are at. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes I find the side stage stuff. Uh, sometimes it's, it's people who are barely invited side stage or backstage. You know, it's the, uh, the, yeah. the drummer's ex-girlfriend who's trying to get past security or, or something wild like that. Um, yeah. We, once again, some of that stuff, um, 
is unavoidable. Sometimes yeah. it's the promoters, friends, it's it's whoever, and they're kind of standing side stage. I've always find that stuff distracting to an audience mm-hmm. more than I do the band. I I'm up there losing myself in the music, and then when you look at side stage, you see people standing there drinking and having a good time, like wow, isn't this cool? But yeah. when the audience can see it, I, I don't think that's uh, that's really cool it, yeah yeah it, 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 yeah i hope i'm not coming off too no uh, kim no no it's just you know i think take a load people, off <laughs> people are, are paying money and they want to see this thing and they want to see stragglers on the side of the stage and stuff like that well you're a pro for sure kim um you mentioned too one of the <laughs> sometimes well you mentioned yeah, my moments <laughs> One of the the stories you were telling uh, Eddie Van Halen and Sammy Hagar throwing you off side stage, that's been a big loss in the year 2020. I know there's been a lot of other chaos and a lot of other things going on in this world, but um, but uh, you know the loss of Eddie Van Halen, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, guitar player. Would you would how would you react? How did you react to to his loss? Well, that was a big one um, because in my lifetime there's been two people who have reinvented the guitar. And the first one was Jimi Hendrix in the 60s. And then Eddie Van Halen came along and didn't totally reinvent it, but he really did do something different, in, right. in my opinion, for rock guitar. Yeah. Um, and he was an innovator, and, and he was a great songwriter. And meeting him, he was just such a, a, a beautiful cat. I know he, he fought his demons for a while and turned into a, a, a bit of a difficult person, uh, allegedly. But when I met him, he was a, just lovely. He was great, gracious with his time, came in the dressing room and chatted for about 20 minutes. And nice. He didn't have to do that. Yeah, you know, We just had finished a set opening up, and he walked in, and we chatted. And well, the one the one thing you can say too, he was a great dad, you know, and, and uh, the Wolf, yeah. Wolfgang, you know, he released that song just uh, last week with uh, home footage of their home videos. I mean, yeah, he was a great dad. I mean, and that says a lot about, you know, someone I think sometimes. Um, they may struggle with their demons, but if they pull it together and are able to be a good father, you know, that's that's not a bad thing, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's sort of the dudes that are the deadbeat dads and the guys that yeah. take off and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, bad. for sure. That's more damaging to the child than anything else. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, Kim, you know, when when lockdown or when this thing is passed, just whenever that is, are you? I, I picture you as the kind of guy who's just going to go right back to touring. You're going to get right back out there for the fans. Am I wrong? Well, I think the whole world will. I, you know, I talk to friends. It's like I think the economy, everything's just going to go like like a, I got a horse race when they yeah. open the gate. This is me. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Um, I'd love to hit a rock and roll stage. I'm, I'm, and this has recently, um, worn me down, um, emotionally, physically. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm not alone here. Uh, I mean, I am right now, but I mean, I'm not alone in in the way I'm thinking. Uh, I think a lot of people are, are exactly the same. You, you have one moment where you're adapted well you're you've handed you've been handed lemons so you're making lemon pie um and then the next moment you're step away from the ledge i repeat (laughs) step away from the ledge yeah yeah so we'll see trying trying to keep it together play a bit of guitar every day come down here and rock it out i have my live gear here so i'm 
pissing the neighbors off on a regular basis. Like, oh no, here he goes again. I just want one of the kids to bed. And I'm like, I need some therapy right now. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, ah, that felt great. (laughs) Sorry, kiddo, you're falling asleep tonight to a half hour of minor chords. That's right. (laughs) So I don't want to make the assumption, Kim, but I think that a lot of artists have this um, sort of uh, uh, tendency to use their music, and it's probably why they they got so proficient or so uh, skilled at it in the first place, Um, but they have a tendency to use it as a form of therapy. Are you one of those people? Oh, it's, uh, you know, I make, I make a joke uh, that, yeah, I probably would have been in a lot more serious trouble had I not mm. been a guitar player um, and had music too. It's the Zen place for me. Uh, I know that for a fact. Uh, yeah. Get on stage and when that, that connection starts to happen with, with the guys in the band, we just kind of get lost and, and that energy transmits out into an audience and you look out and you see that that connection that beautiful thing there's all these vibrations going on and i don't mean to sound cosmic and deep but they're they're all they're vibes and it's you come off stage and it's it's a beautiful feeling man i'm so lucky to experience that and it is it is a therapy for me even just coming downstairs and getting lost and playing by myself here and yeah and out a little bit yeah um, yeah, yeah that, i find the the interaction with the audience is 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 therapy for a lot of people too and and um i'm familiar with that more so from the stand-up comedy realm of things in that uh you know you 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 love talking to people you love getting on stage and interacting and, and seeing the reaction right live in person <laughs> and uh I, I think that there's there's something to be said for both of those genres whether it's music or or comedians uh, always tending to drift towards uh, you know the live the live stage, wanting the live stage. Yeah, and I'm a music fan too. I like going yeah. to shows myself, and and I like when a band is taking me out of my reality, and I'm just there enjoying their tunes and digging their tunes. Um, so that's kind of my job on stage. It's interesting to, to feel it on both sides. It's like, well, what is it you do exactly, Kim? Well, <laughs> I get up on stage for a couple hours a night and I try to take people to Rockland Wonderland. Oh, and good reference. It's, it's that simple, right? <laughs> Great so. reference. Um, now, big fantasize the new record. I'll put it up there <laughs> on the screen again for everybody to, uh, Oh, that's the old one. There's the new one right there, the big fantasize. I love the Paisley, by the way. Big fan of that pattern uh, <laughs> on that artwork. Um, you know, you had a live uh, a, a live streaming um, uh, album premiere via your Facebook page. And, uh, you know, I checked it out and it uh, seemed like the reactions or the, the, the fan base was there for it, like a thousand percent. Is that like, how has the reaction been to it? Uh, way beyond what I had hoped for even um this is this is a little bit different record it's not the shouty i'm a wild party gopher soda <laughs> yeah thing you know it's uh it's a little more uh vibey rug some incense going and the lights are turned down low it's a little more like that um but there's guitar playing on it it's it's, it's got a lot of emotion in it so i think people are picking up on that energy that that emotion um i'm proud of the record done with Craig Wells, who I say is big stuff down in Los Angeles, but 
it, it's funny because I'm like, you want to do a record with me? Really? He was in my band at 17. Yeah. He's like, I'm like, you, you're like Mr. Big Shot down there. He goes, no. He goes, man, I, let me be the insecure Canadian here. Like, he goes, I love your stuff. I'm a huge fan. Now, let's do this record. So it was nice. So I'm it, proud of it. And and people, my website, KimMitchell.ca, you can go there and find anything, how to listen to it, how to buy it. Pick uh, it up on vinyl, uh, but, yeah, but, not on, vinyl. but not on cassette. <laughs> nah, we bypass cassette this time, but we do have CD. That's good. So right. CD, cassette, and digital format. <laughs> Listen, I bought a pretty new car last year, just like just a, just slightly used, okay. and it still had a CD player in it. I'm like, nah, people still listen to CDs, and I brought CDs into the car. They're in there. I can still listen to CDs in my car. Yeah, that, CDs uh, when they came out sounded great, and they still sound great. Yeah. Um, the the digital world I found grew into sounding great. At first, it didn't. I thought I thought MP3s. You know, it was kind of like digital Satan to me. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't like the sound of them at all. But they've really, the bit rate or whatever they've done, they, they sound fantastic now. So, yeah. Uh, but some people just like to go back to old school vinyl. It's something to hold on to, and and so it's available. And uh, it's a double vinyl uh, thing because I have some live tracks on the second some live classic tracks on the second disc. Well, we talk so much about your live show. Of course, people uh, who haven't experienced it can experience it on, on vinyl, which has got that sound. There's still a sound of vinyl, and that's why I think that, that people still listen to records over cassettes if they're looking for a vintage format, you know, or for a classic <laughs> type format. Yeah, yeah, it has a different sound. It's got surface noise. So it goes... <laughs> in between songs. Yes, it does, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of uh, cool. Kim, I really appreciate having you on the podcast, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And again, you can get the big fantasize everywhere you get music, and especially via Kim's website, KimMitchell.com. And don't forget, dot ca, bud. Oh, dot ca. I'm sorry, Canadians. Kim. It's okay, bud. You got to throw bud in there as well. <laughs> KimMitchell.ca, and also uh, you can find this podcast in audio form. That's in the Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It'll be available after the fact on YouTube. And just today, it got uh, rubber stamped on Twitter, part of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network as well. Kim, thanks again, my friend. Cool, man. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.